This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Uh, one of the all-time great classics, Jackie Wilson, higher and higher. It's Monday night, the game now back in L.A., where it never should have been moved from in the first place. What a black eye for the league. It's ridiculous, these games. Playing games on the top of Mount Everest. What's the point? So, it's the Rams against Kansas City. Both teams with one loss. Both high-scoring teams. The over-under on this game is the highest ever, according to the books out in Vegas. 63 over and under. Think about that. I mean, both teams average more than 30 points per game. That's still a lot of points. 63, and the Rams have a pretty good defense. The Chiefs don't. I would be inclined maybe to play that under. However. Here's your tip. The previous five highest over-under totals all went over. That, by the way, included the Steelers-Atlanta game this year. The over-and-under was 51, and, of course, it ended up at 58. But the five highest over-under totals in betting history, I guess you would say, have all gone over. So keep that in mind for Monday night. By the way, the previous high was 14 years ago. Oakland played Kansas City, and that number was 60, and they went over. So if you're thinking about that, there you go. By the way, the... Odds in Vegas about winning the Super Bowl. The Rams are number one. New Orleans number two, even though New Orleans beat the Rams. Kansas City number three. New England number four. The Steelers number five. And the Chargers number six. And when I wrote that down, I made sure I wrote L.A. Chargers. What's the over? I mean, what? How long do you get to go before you have to call them the L.A. Chargers as opposed to San Diego? See, I used to do that on stadiums, and then I just gave up because every two years the naming rights change, and luckily that hadn't happened here. I mean, it happened with the arena, right? Already with the new arena, which is only eight years old, but. Heinz Field has been Heinz Field since 2001, and PNC Park has been PNC Park since it opened the same year. So there are your odds on winning the Super Bowl. Uh, I find it interesting 
that they don't take into account necessarily regular season head-to-head. Two reasons here. As I mentioned, New Orleans beat the Rams. Tight game. The game was in New Orleans, and yet the odds makers still put the Rams as the favorite to win the Super Bowl. Same thing with Kansas City and New England. New England won that game in Foxborough, but they rate the Chiefs as a better bet. And I think there's some reason for that. The Chiefs have lost only one game. The Patriots already have lost three. The best news for the Patriots, with all due respect, is they play in that awful division. And there's always a chance for an upset. I get that. And look, the Steelers division is not exactly like the Burma Road or the Death March through Bataan. But it's more competitive than the AFC East is, wouldn't you say? By the way, if you're trying to decide who you want to root for in the Baltimore-Cincinnati game, it's distasteful whichever way you go. I would say root for Baltimore for two reasons. I would rather see both those teams five and five than the Bengals be six and four and sort of still hot on the trail of the Steelers. If both of them are five and five and the Steelers are sitting there at seven, two, and one, you're in pretty good shape. And the other one is selfish. The farther the Bengals fall behind, the less meaning there would be on that final game at Hind Field on December 30th, and the less opportunity, if it would be an opportunity, that the NFL would flex that game to a night game on December 30th. You know, what they've done is patently unfair to the fans. A lot of people, for example, you want to take a kid to the game, that Charger game? Well, now it's a night game. School the next night. There are a lot of Steeler fans who come in from out of town, even if it's you know, Harrisburg, they come in for a 1 o'clock game. Now it's an 8 o'clock game. It changes everything. However, having said that, when you sit in your comfy chair watching the Steelers in Jacksonville on TV, that's the price you pay. If you complain about the commercial breaks being too long, that's the price you pay. TV runs the league. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. We continue to let opportunities pass us by, and uh, eventually we're going to have to change that and and win a football game. And it's the only way to get hot and get uh, a win streak going. So you got to start with one, um, and and, no better week to start than this week. That is Blake Bortles, the Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback. Whatever you think of him, he was 2-0 against the Steelers last year. He should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> he won a playoff game. Matt Williamson joins us now. Matt's brought to us by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. We're going to talk about the Steelers and Jaguars, but you came in on the tail end of that conversation. I was really stunned at this article and subsequent follow-up on Twitter, which was my second mistake, 
um, about Aaron Rodgers, and I, I know you've always been a big proponent of his talent. Oh, man. I mean, I really think that if we were picking up teams – and I get first pick overall. I mean, I'm including Elway and Unitas and Bradshaw and all, all of them. All time you're talking? All time. I think I get first pick overall. I'm taking Rodgers. I mean, oh. he's the best I've ever seen. I mean, you look at the resumes. Brady has the best resume ever. But does that mean that's exactly who I want on game day? I don't think so. And what I say, and people are out there going, come on, Williamson. But think about it from this perspective. If you put the 20 best quarterbacks out there right in front of you, and that's what I always say about Rodgers. His highlight tape is as good as anyone's in terms of unbelievable throws and plays. His low light tape is better than anyone's. He never turns the ball over, especially at home. I mean, people forget about these things. And to take it a step further, McCarthy's on the hot seat right now in Green Bay. Yep. And I think he should have been a while ago. I know he's popular around here, but he's Rodgers has gotten very little help from scheme. It's all isolation routes. Hey, you get open, beat your guy and Rodgers will drop it in a perfect spot for you. Imagine if he was with Kansas City or the Rams. Or I mean, I think that's where the strife is coming from now is he's looking around the league going, look how easy these guys have it, and they're putting up better numbers than me. I'm playing on one leg with no help from scheme, and I'm – Still, I'll play them all. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's and crazy. the wide receiver group is really once they got rid of Jordy Nelson. I mean, it really fell off. It's not great. I mean, the roster yeah. outside of Rodgers is far from great. And for all those years, you know, the GM they never they never added a free agent. You know, like it's hard to build a team just through the draft. I understand. I respect that approach, but you got to supplement it with some guys here and there. Yeah, I just uh, I, I I bristled at the idea. Uh, That if the criteria is you have to win a championship, he did. He did. Right. Now that's not enough. I know. And you brought up Drew Brees. Right. I, I, I often hear it around here. Ben and Tomlin only have two. Ben only has two. That's a total. You know, how could you let that happen? You know, that's that's underachieving. Well, then I'm not taking anything away from Ben. That's he's a Hall of Famer too. Brees and Rogers have had better careers than him. They each have one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Brees is the all-time yeah. leading passer ever, and, and Rogers is my first pick overall. And they've only been to one. And they at least, been to one. at right. least been Ben's been to two, right? Yeah, exactly. And won them. And, and th- like you said off the air, I mean, the Brady thing does make everyone else kind of look bad. It's yeah. the Jordan effect, you know, or Gretzky or whatever. But so be it. It doesn't take away from their greatness. No, absolutely not. And it's just it's a team game, you know. Uh, we brought up Eric Coriel. I mean, mm-hmm. there, to me, there's never been a better offense than what that thing does, and that was a lot under the. Well, the, I guess the the rules changed in '77, but I mean they're even more liberal now. Oh, sure. Against defenses, they, they boy could they light it up. They were unbelievable. But the other end of the field was like foreign territory. It was like you needed their defense needed a passport to find it. I mean they they <laughs> sure, just didn't right. bother with that. And you know, and they had some you know some guys. And trying to think back, um, you know, Louis Kelcher played on that as I remember on those teams. Yeah. Um, you know, he maybe, was up in age at that point. Yeah, yeah Fred but, Dean. Yeah, Fred Dean. Yeah. You know, and guys like that. But anyway, all right. Good. Last thing. Last note on that too is Pitt fans will like this, but I always say if Marino played now or even in the Peyton Mar- Manning era, he would destroy all Manning. Yeah. All the records would belong to Danny M. I mean, if he could play in an era like this. With all respect to Duper and Clayton, they were fine, but they weren't Randy Moss or Marvin Harrison. No. Or, you know, and no one throws like he does. Yeah, no, no. That release, and um, that's exhibit A right there. All right, let's let's uh, let's talk about the game coming up on Sunday. Let's let's keep the mental aspect. I've asked people, do you think that the Steelers team is more mature 
better able to handle a game like this than maybe they were last year, just just mentally. Let's start with the X's and O's. Um, we'll talk to Before Tony. Before we stop and start with the X's and O's, if you don't mind, I'd like to go down a path that, to me, shocks me that it isn't national news, let alone public news, all the time. 14-1-1 in their last 16 road games. Yeah, 10-0-1 in the last 11. Yeah. I mean, the last time they lost was in Chicago, the national anthem game, when their heads weren't in it. And, you know, the whole Villanueva thing. I and mean, that was a fluky day to begin with. Yeah. I, mean, I almost want to throw that one out. I know you can't. But you talk about a mature team. Winning on the road in the NFL is no walk in the park, especially with the first-place schedule every year. This division isn't bad. You know, I mean, that in itself speaks volumes to me. You know, usually that is the byproduct of playing really good defense. Uh, sometimes offense can be a variable, but if you're really good defensively, that pretty much stays the same week to week no matter where you are. But that really hasn't been the case with this team. No, but I think the other aspect of it is there's very much a philosophy out there. Bad offensive lines don't travel. Well, good ones do. <laughs> you know? And that, I think that goes a long way. I mean, if your skill guys are a little off, if you're blocking people, you're in it. That's it's fundamental obvious. football. You know, it's, blo- it's defense and blocking, you know? It's their best unit, right? Oh, I think so. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right at the top of the league. Um, the thing we were talking about in SNR yesterday is continuity so key with an offensive line, especially on the road, all that communication. You've talked to Wolf. I mean, he's like, Tunch and I would grunt at each other or, you know, <laughs> nobody even talks. They just all know where everyone's going to be. Especially Tunch because the tackle is the last guy on the line and hearing audible calls. Right, right. In a noisy stadium, he said, would often be difficult. And if you're, you know, if you're waiting, you can't even hear the snap count, you know, you have to rely on sort of movement. And that's, you know, that quarter second, that takes away your advantage over the defensive guy over you. Yeah. And am I passing this guy off on a stunt or am I following yeah. him? You know, com- it, Run blocking has a lot to do with timing. When do I leave this guy to go to the second level and get the linebacker? And continuity is absolutely huge with offensive lines, and rarely nowadays. It's not like the 70 Steelers where the same five came back every year. They've had the same five for a while now, and they know each other really, really well. And I can't go without saying and Coach Munchak's the star of the whole show. And even with that, they've had to start Finney, and this will be Filer's fourth consecutive game. So – even that continuity right. has been mess, messed with somewhat. Right, and Hubbard in the past. and Yeah. You know, right, so they're, they're, it's not like they're all five or playing every game, but they've all been around. I mean, Filer's been here for a little while now and is ready. And, again, that goes back to Munchak, and he's sitting in those offensive line rooms knowing his time's coming soon. And not to mention, if you're an undrafted free agent, you come to this team, there's a pretty good chance you become a millionaire someday. Bloomsburg. Right. We talk about, you know, this draft pick didn't work out and that draft pick – when you're plucking guys as a free agent out of Bloomsburg, um, you got a pretty good eye for talent with a guy like that. Yeah, you do. Uh, although the scout in me goes, if you ever met Matt Filer, how did that guy get the Bloomsburg? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good-looking cat. you know. I mean, yeah. He's hard to miss. The defense has clearly gotten better. Yeah. Uh, we've talked uh, and debated some of the reasons why, but I, I want your evaluation. Uh, I don't think that that's a myth. I think it has gotten better, and I, I really think it began with the Atlanta game. Uh, the Falcons aren't very good, but their offense is. Their offense is. It does, their offense doesn't travel great, but still handling Carolina and Atlanta the way they did says a lot to me. I mean, I, I hate to say it this way, but I'd love to see – I wish the Chiefs were coming here this week just yeah. to see the difference between now and then. With Joe Hayden. Yeah, exactly. And, and the Chiefs would put up 30. Yeah, they do against everybody. But and I don't, if I'm not mistaken, man, I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. 
I don't think I think Mike Hilton was out that game too. I think so too. <laughs> and they got outplayed, but in that game there were so many breakdowns too and mental errors, and you're not seeing them at all. Um, I, I think we've said this before that going back to last year, you look at the stats; they're night and day with and without Shazier. But if you do it with Hayden too, just in his own you know caveat, it's also that way. And one thing I've noticed when Hayden's not on the field, that's when you see the mental breakdowns in the secondary too. And usually that's a safety's job, but he's clearly the veteran guy there. Very much a stabilizing force, let alone a good player. Playing more man coverage, putting him on top receivers since then, A.J. Green, Julio. And I, the negative here, and you hate to say it, but they've had addition by subtraction by taking Burns off the field too. I yeah. mean, I think they've figured out that they can't trust him. He's going to bite on things. And in the end... They're winning up front too. I mean, it's fun. The Steelers are fundamentally sound right now. They're winning in the trenches. It's kind of old school. By the way, too, it may not be able to play, which yeah. means that the depth will be tested. Uh, Tyson Alu Alu would would start there. You know, it's it's interesting. Some of the stat that I saw yesterday, which I find very interesting because it had been a problem in the last five weeks, which the Steelers are undefeated the last five games. They are fourth best in the NFL at fewest missed tackles. And that's been a big problem, uh, obviously, but they've really improved. Um, I don't know if that's maturity, but I know that when Tom Bradley was hired, he has always been a stickler for better tackling. And maybe I'm adding up two and two and getting five, but I don't know that you can ignore that number either. No, absolutely. And and I have one other number for you, too, and I'll get to the tackling in a second. But in those five games – the last five games played in the NFL, no defense has allowed fewer yards per play than the Steelers. Ah. It's at four and a half. It's not their number one during yeah. that stretch. I mean, it's really impressive. Back to the tackling. I mean, this was something we talked about a ton over the summer. And being around the team more than I usually were, you heard it every day. I mean, defensive coaches ran it into their head. All the stats said you were the worst tackling defense in the league. The other one that was a really bad tackling defense was the Chargers. And I'm stealing this from Football Outsiders, but that's where they're stealing it from, too. They did their (laughs) – that's who's paying attention. There's honor among thieves. Yes. As for the Chargers, pretty much everyone on their defense was a below-average tackler. For the Steelers, they had a couple bad culprits. One of them was Hilton, which you could understand. He's a really small guy in the slot, and he probably is never going to bring Adrian Peterson to that ground every time. You know I mean? But I think he's been better. Another really bad candidate was Sean Davis, and he was near the line of scrimmage a lot, and that worried me. I'm like, now he's going to play deep center field. If he missed a tackle there, then it's touchdown. Clearly, he's improved, and I also think he's in a better role for his skill set. The other ones that were bad tacklers were, unfortunately, Shazier, but he gets the ones that others wouldn't, and all his replacements, Spence and those guys, which they haven't played football. You know, I mean, so the guys that were really hurting in that regard are way better Cam Hayward's always been a good tackler. Vince Williams always been a good tackler. And the guys that are good tacklers are keeping it up. Talking about Jacksonville, as you've seen him from afar, and if you had a chance to see any tape on him, mm-hmm. and I realize that they have injuries. Their offensive line, Fournette was out. He's back now, but didn't do much last week. Uh, what's What's been their problem? Were they a one-hit wonder last year? There's a lot of reasons, and I'm kind of proud of myself because I called for this in the offseason. I'm like, if any team's going to regress in the AFC, it's Jacksonville. And here's a couple things that were really working against them. First of all, you get the misconception that they were a 13-3 and team or a 12-4. and They were 10-6. and I mean, that's great, but it was by far the easiest schedule in the league. 
and they only won 10 of them. I mean, that's great. Two, I mean, two were against Steelers. Everyone saw how that went. But their defense last year had absolutely zero injuries. That's not going to keep up year to year. You know, they lost Bouye. He's coming back. And they haven't been hit real hard on injuries on that side of the ball. But it's not going to keep up year to year. And we just know in the NFL, they were at the top of the league in turnover differential. Now they're at the bottom. And they, if you don't have a passing game, you don't have a quarterback that can bail you out, you need too many. You need everything else to line up just perfectly. And it isn't. And they looked at their team and thought, Tom Coughlin built that team, and he built them like a 1985 team, which worked last year. And they add Norwell the guard. and He actually hasn't played well. And the rest of the line's crumbling. And all the receivers are deep hitters. It's going to be Fournette, 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 deep shot. Don't let you know, and no one's going to score on us. Well, that formula is hard to count on nowadays. You know, like we saw it with Manning in the the last year of his career with Denver. Well, because Manning was a good game manager and it worked for a year, but then it doesn't keep up year to year like it used to. You know, you can't you can't win games thirteen ten all the time, and it's coming. The turnovers have murdered them. And looking at this game, I know they're a scary team because they beat the Steelers twice. But I don't know where their offense comes from. I mean, their left tackle situation is really bad. Backup center, the line in general is bad, and the, and the quarterback can't make up for it. Do you think that the Steelers, because they've been, you know, I mean, the road record would belie this, but, I mean, it sticks in people's craws that they play teams with bad records and somehow find a way to play down to their level, right. especially on the road. We know that Ben's quarter, I don't expect him to be perfect again. We don't know if we'll see that again, 158.3. But we know that his career average quarterback rating is 20 points lower on the road than it is at home. Maybe that's true of a lot of quarterbacks. A lot but, more turnovers on the road. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely, which, of course, goes to the quarterback rating, too. Um, do you think this team is now more mature? Not necessarily in the revenge factor we're going to you know, show you, but just when you stop and consider that there's still New England and New Orleans and the Chargers, maybe the game against Cincinnati, that this is a game that you really need to win as a cushion because they're not going to win all three of those other games I just mentioned. No, probably not. But I don't see a letdown. I mean, I know there is an emotional side to this. I'm sure they circled this one in the offseason as soon as the calendar came out. And, yeah, Jacksonville doesn't look as dangerous as they were, but they were embarrassed on national TV last time we saw these two teams together. I don't think the Steelers hold up at all. And I look at this game and think, although the pundits out there and the analytics people were like, boy, if this was if they would have kept it Sunday night, that's when Ben's at his best. But now it's at one. Now he's terrible. You know, like, <laughs> that, that seems so silly. <laughs> you know, like, they play this game six hours, seven hours earlier. Now the Steelers are at a disadvantage all of a sudden. Like, I, I don't buy that. Um, I forget where I was going with that. But the, the emotional component of yeah, the Steelers. I, I kind of look at this game as don't lose it. Because the best thing that the Jags do and, that, and why they beat the Steelers badly those two games where they were the more physical team. And now I think the Steelers are the more physical team. Like, I think you come out with Knicks, with Chooks, multiple tight ends at times, heavy personnel. It's a Connor game. I'm not saying you take it out of Ben's hands, but Carolina was a Ben game. You know, this to me should be a power because they're not going to run away from you. You're not going to be down 15. You're not going to be down 20 at half. I mean, unless you throw pick sixes left and right, they're not going to score on you with regularity. I mean, punting isn't bad in this situation to me. I would not take chances. I'd play this one close to the best. And, you know, I think you'd hit Bortles a lot, and I don't think Fournette's going to have a lot of running room. 
Right. So get out of Dodge with a win, no matter. Yeah, right. Like I'm picking them 27, 17-ish, but I bet the Steelers control it even more than that. As long as you don't turn it over, I mean, like to me, don't lose it. Don't throw two picks. Connor protect the football. Vance protect the football. Don't get a kick blocked. And I don't know how where the points come from from Jacksonville. No. Last year, three defensive touchdowns for Jacksonville, right. and they came early, which really defined the game. That's one last thing I want to mention. The, the huge thing that helped Jacksonville last year, their first quarter scoring was off the charts in their favor. They can't come from behind even then. So if they're up on the scoreboard, they're hard to play against, especially that team. This team, not as much. But that's the key. Don't get down early. And we've seen the Steelers fall to that trap, but this – don't get down early. <laughs> All right. Matt Williamson, ClaytonFootball.com. Brought to us by 84 Lumber. Thanks, Matt. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, you too. Okay. we won't do it next week. Yeah, we're yeah. going to take the, the Friday off, but we'll be back. Um, so we won't talk about the Denver game. Uh, we'll talk about who's after that. San Diego, uh, L.A., LA. Chargers. Whatever, They're good. Whatever they are. Uh, we'll talk about them then. Matt Williamson, coming up next, we'll get the Jacksonville perspective from a guy who I think should already be in the Hall of Fame. Tony Baselli joins me next. Saverin on Sports, ESPN, Pittsburgh. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. They, they just had some bad luck games, man, uh, in their division. But uh, when they played other teams, they did really, really well. So it's just, it, it's football is so hard to describe sometimes to people, man, that don't really understand it. But um, they've got a really good football team. That is Steelers center Marquise Pouncey talking about Sunday's opponent, the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're really delighted to once again bring in one of the greatest tackles ever to play in the National Football League, a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars broadcast crew, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, Tony Baselli joins again. Tony, thanks so much for the time. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Doing fine, thanks. A little snow up here, but you don't have to worry about that this year. Um, uh, I know the team's looking forward to getting out of this. I can, I can guarantee you that. We talked twice last year, Tony, and uh, both of them ended up being really resounding Jacksonville victories. Uh, things have changed. Uh, if you could put your finger on one or two things, what's gone wrong with the Jaguars? Well, that's a great question. I think the, you know the biggest thing is is defensively last year they were just dominant. They scored points, got turnovers. I mean, really, you know, one of those years that you just can't, it's hard to repeat. And I, I mean, I for one didn't think they'd repeat to be that good. I mean, they're still a top five defense, so they're still very good. I had thought the offense would take the next step uh, with Blake Bortles, a quarterback, running game, and it, it hasn't. It's actually gone backwards, and I think it's gone backwards a couple steps. They turned the ball over much at a much higher rate than they did last year. The running game is not very good. Uh, you know, some say it's injuries, some say it's you know personnel, whatever reason, it's just not very good. And because the running game being really uh, at a low level, I think they're 26 in the NFL this year after being first last year, uh, the quarterback play has suffered. Um, you know, And so they were built to run the ball, and they're not doing it, and that's why they're not very good. Has that exerted extra pressure on Blake Bortles? Um, you know, rather than picking and choosing uh, without a running game, then he is primarily responsible for the offense. Yeah, I think it has. And they don't have – they have a really young group of receivers who are, I'm not saying they're, they're, they're unproven players or they're just, they're ascending players. They're not at the point where they're going to, you know, you're going to count on them to be the go, the go-to guy in crunch time. Um, they've, they've lost a ton of tight ends. They just signed a tight end that they cut during training camp. Um, you know, and so 
the passing game has just not been very good. And Blake has, I think Blake has hasn't hasn't progressed the way we, anyone thought he would. And uh, and maybe it's because he's been getting hit more than and maybe they're asking him to do more, and that's the reason. But for whatever reason, uh, the offense is uh, is pretty uh, uh, not in a good place. It's struggled. Tony, I realize this is difficult to quantify, but how much of the difficulty in the running game is due to Leonard Fournette not being available? How much is due to the offensive line, which took another blow this week, losing the starting center? Well, I mean, Leonard Fournette was you know, he was healthy last yesterday, uh, last week. He only averaged two point two yards a carry. Yeah, and I think there was a lot. Of, I think there was a lot of yards left on the field. Looking at the film, um, so I mean, you know, hopefully he'll be better week two after being back after missing five weeks. Um, I think it's always a combination of both back and line. Uh, the line is, you know, had some injuries. Big one is Linder. I think that's going to affect him quite a bit. Uh, and I think letting go Mercedes Lewis in the off season and not really replacing him with that blocking tight end. They they brought Safarian Jenkins in, who's, who's a good blocker, not the same level as Mercedes, but a better receiver. But he got hurt, uh, and they just didn't have the depth on the at the tight end. So they, I think they struggle blocking the edge a little bit, and uh, that, that that has added to their uh, run game issues. I want to go back to the defense for, for just a moment. Um, I, I want to attribute this correctly. Uh, I don't know if it was a tweet that you sent out uh, or somebody else uh, in Jacksonville that it appeared that Jalen Ramsey <clears throat> was sort of freelancing on defense in terms of playing outside the team defense that was called. Yeah, that was actually someone who tweeted that or put it some that said I said that on the radio. I did not say that. Oh, on the okay, radio. good. I wanted so to clarify. Say, oh yeah, no, it's great. What I did say is that Jalen Ramsey had some mental errors. Everyone else was playing zone one time, he was playing man. Another time everyone else was playing man, he was playing zone. That happens. I'm not saying he did it purposely. I'm not saying he went rogue. He had mental errors. Something that you don't see from Jalen Ramsey. It happens across the league all the time. But those led to busted coverages, and a very good secondary gave up big plays, which his team was not accustomed to seeing. And so it wasn't that he went rogue. It's not that he was purposely trying to do anything goofy. He had two mental errors, and when you when you tell everyone you're the best corner in the NFL, I think he is one of the best corners in the NFL, that gets magnified. And I just brought it up on the radio that there were clear mental errors that led to big plays, one of them a touchdown, another a big, uh, big game by T.Y. Hilton because of mental errors. The whole rogue comment is someone who listens to the show decided to put words into my mouth. Oh, uh, that has been known to happen yeah. for those of that us. That never happens to you, does it? No, never has. As uh, I've been doing this for 45 years, it's never happened. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably happening right now. I have to check my Twitter feed. Um, uh, Tony Baselli is our guest. Uh, Tony, we've talked a lot about the, the mental aspect of this particular game. Uh, the Steelers had a big showing against Carolina. I'm sure you saw that. Um, I was there. Uh, oh, did you do the game on national radio? Yeah, I do uh, Thursday night. So I was oh, that's right. Game. Well, you saw it. Um, they're playing really good football. Uh, I am a big believer, however, in hidden vigorous. Five-game streaks, one way or the other, don't happen that often in the NFL. And I'm just wondering, given the Jaguars' success against the Steelers last year, is this the kind of game, because of their success, that might, if you will, reinvigorate the Jaguars? Well, I think it's a fair question. And I think it's one of the reasons I think it's going to be a great football game. And I actually would not be surprised, you know, at least locally, pick the Jaguars to win. 
And the reason for that is, you know, I think history matters. I think how you do against teams matters. And this is, you know, go all the way back to the AFC Central days when we were in the same uh, same division. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguar franchise has always played well against the Pittsburgh Steelers for whatever reason. I don't know why. And after sweeping them last year, I think it's a confident group. I think they'll go into this game feeling like they should win. I think the defense will, you know, feels like they, you know, have a little bit of Ben's number. You know, they've had a couple of pick six off of them. They had five interceptions in that first game. Um, and so I think, you know, they turned them over a number of times in the in the playoff game. And I just think all those things put together. I think, you know, it weighs on a team or it helps a team. And I think, you know, the Steelers are human. You know, Ben's human. He's a great quarterback, Hall of Famer. love watching him. You know, I don't think that's not in the back of his mind a little bit, too, or maybe he wants to go out and prove something and you start pressing. So I just think it's one of those things. I don't know about the five in a row either way, if that matters. I just think how teams play each other in the past uh, is, can, you know, kind of creep into current games. Last thing for you, Tony, we'll let you go. Since you did see the Steelers, um, and really, arguably, their best all-around performance of the year. I think it was. Um, what are your thoughts? They look like a, a better team. They certainly have been better defensively. Uh, their run game is even better with, with uh, James Conner. Just in general, what were your thoughts uh, watching them really dismantle a good Carolina team? If, if they were playing any other team but my Jaguars, I'd be picking them. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if that tells you a little bit. Um, that's why I said I'm picking them at least locally. Um the uh, I think they're really good. You know they got they got beat up early against Kansas City, but that defense was maybe the worst defense in the history of the Steelers organization the first four weeks of the season. And they're starting to get pressure with the front four. They're really playing well up front. Um, the back half is getting better. Uh, so defensively, they're good, and it's hard to be good in today's NFL with the rules. So I think they're pretty good. And offensively, they're they everyone talks about the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes and all the talent they have, I, I'll take the Steelers right next to them in a shootout. Um, and, and then you got the Patriots. I think it's one of those three teams in the Super Bowl. Uh, Chiefs, Steelers, Patriots, with they may be coming in, uh, you know, as a late dark horse, the, the L.A. Chargers, just the way they're playing with Phillip Rivers this year. Uh, but the Steelers have as good a chance as anybody to get to Atlanta. All right. Well, we'll see what happens on Sunday. A pivotal game potentially for both teams. Tony, thanks once again for uh, uh, being on with us. We really appreciate the time. And, again, uh, next time I uh, talk to you, I hope it will be in Canton, Ohio. Sounds good, and I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Tony. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. There he goes, Tony Baselli. Um, I've said I'm just brown-nosing. He, he should have been in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest tackles to ever play the game. Come on. All right.